0: So we've been talking about all the different sounds of Christmas, um, with, uh, you know, reindeer. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, it just it's, it's supposed to be, you know, metaphoric. Like, there's a lot of stuff taking up your attention, taking up your brain space, taking up your heart space. And are we really making space for the most important things? And so we talked the first week about significance. Jonathan talked about how in the story of Christmas we find ourselves, we find uh, God calling us to significance. And last week we talked about how Jesus coming was like light shining in the darkness and a hope In an age of hopelessness, what what, uh, many psychologists are calling an epidemic of hopelessness. And so I want to just jump right off of that and read you a verse, a passage from the Old Testament. This is a guy named Isaiah. He was a prophet to uh, the nation of Israel about 800 years before Jesus was born. And he said this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And I love when we see parallels from the Old Testament to things that Jesus said to things that people said about Jesus. Remember John, we read last week, the disciple, follower of Jesus who wrote one of the four Gospels, one of the four eyewitness accounts. He referred to Jesus as the light of the world who came into the darkness, right? And so this is another allusion to that. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. Now you might think in that first verse there, what's going to happen? You know, the, the, the light is breaking in. It sounds like a, you know, like a war. It sounds like a victory of some kind. And it gets a little anticlimactic when it's just about this kid being born, right? For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. But he begins to talk about how the government will be on his shoulders. And that doesn't mean like the United States government, all right, this is talking about like rulership, like the kingdom of God will come with him, he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, of the greatness of his rule and reign, and of his peace, there will be no end, what I want to focus in is this, that he comes as a gift, that God looks at the darkness Of the world, and he looks at the darkness of our hearts, and he looks at the darkness of our lives and the brokenness in our lives, and his response was and is generosity. His response was and is to give of himself the most precious thing he could give. And that's why we get this verse, the most famous verse, probably: for God so loved the world that he gave. God's love compelled him to give, his love drove him to give. Gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. So we all we all know that verse. But what I want to just start with is understanding that it's God's love for us that made him give his son. That it's a, it's a generous move on his part. And I could go on and on and on about other verses that talk about how if God gave us his son, what else is he not going to give us? Why would God hold back? And we get this this idea that God is stingy, that God's upset, that God's annoyed when we ask for things. But God is this overflowing generosity, and I would challenge us to ever run out of God's generosity. All right? So that's where we want to start. And in the spirit of gift giving, I thought that we could talk about a few really awesome gifts that have been given. All right, so Nathan, I don't know if Nathan's here. Are you here, Nathan? Nathan? There he is. Nathan's back at the light table. This is Nathan's story of his favorite gift he's ever gotten in his whole life. He said, I was really into photography in high school. And one year for Christmas, I asked for a new camera lens. Are your parents here today? Oh, it'd be great if they were here. All right. My parents took the box from one of my dad's old camera lenses and put a can of soup inside. I was talking to him this morning. He says he's still kind of bitter. He was devastated when it came out. All right, so I went on Facebook, and I just asked for you guys to give me some of your worst gift stories. This is from Amanda. Our, make, our microwave was broken for like a year, so my dad took Christmas as the moment to buy one for my mom. Isn't that so nice? Moms, wouldn't you love that? Yes. Oh, thank you. A microwave. All right. Uh, Mindy, I don't even want to read this i don't even understand this so when i first read this i thought it was one gift and somehow those two things went together um but apparently these are two different two different which might be worse actually she's really generating a lot of bad gifts here um okay one more our great pastor jonathan Latchaw. here we go when i was a teenager and my nephew was born i had no idea what to get him so i decided to get him some socks it's not a bad idea right when I got to the party and saw all the amazing gifts everyone else had given him, I had I hid mine and decided it was better to give him nothing. He was so embarrassed. Okay, so I want to talk about gift giving a little bit. We're starting with talking about God's great love and the great gift of Jesus. So I love to give gifts. I love Christmas. I went shopping yesterday um, because basically for the last month, Mandy has stonewalled me on ideas for Christmas. So it pushed me to the brink and I had one day to shop. But that's okay. I got it done. I shopped till I dropped yesterday. It was awesome. I'm one of those people who loves the crowd. Do you love the crowd? Anybody love to go to the mall this close to Christmas? Come on. One person, two people. Okay. We, it's so great. I love the music. I love the, fran- the frantic look on everyone's faces. You know, I'm totally at peace. I'm just enjoying life. But everyone else is freaking out. You ever do the sample circle at the mall if you get a little hungry? You walk around where the food court is, you know? You know, you hit Sukihana. You come around, you get the little cheesesteak guy. Then you come back around and you get the, uh, um, what's the, yeah, Thai kitchen. That's it. If you're lucky, sample circle overload is when Annie Ann's has samples out there. Then you're just like, yes, bonus sample. Okay. So I was out shopping yesterday. But let's think about what if you had unlimited resources to buy gifts for the person you love the most? Yourself. (laughs) I'm just kidding. All right. (laughs) What if you had unlimited resources to buy gifts for someone that you love? What would you buy? Think about that. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, it wasn't irresponsible. You know, it wasn't, people wouldn't think you were greedy. But you could just, like, really. You know, what I'd love to give Mandy is I'd love to give her a vacation. Because then I could go, too. And it would be so amazing. Um, we went to Hawaii on our honeymoon. And it's been 20 years. Um, I think it's time we go back. Anybody want to pay for that? Anybody? I mean, takers? First come, first serve. So um, we'll, even, we'll even let you come with us. How weird would that be? Uh, <laughs> honeymoon number two with friends. So, but I'd, lo- I'd love to do that. What would you love to do? Think about it. Just be creative. Think about if you had everything, uh, unlimited resources, you could just really buy something really meaningful for the person that you love. That'd be really fun. So I want to just follow this what if scenario a little bit further. Like what would you be willing to give? Because you don't have unlimited resources. What would you be willing to give to people? you ever thought about that? Like, would you be willing, how generous would you be willing to give? Like, would you be willing to give your car to someone? Like, just, you knew that they kind of needed a car. Would you be willing to just give up your car? I've got a car that I I might be willing to give up. I don't know that it would be nice of me. Uh, it's more like a, a blessing on me to get rid of it. Uh, you know, would you be willing to let people live in your house? Some people do that, and, it, and it's, it's not a big deal. Some of you, you hear that, and it's like, you know, like for us, where would we put them? I think they, they'd have to live in the drum room with the cats, you know? And we could say, look, there's a little sliver of floor. You get to fight over that with the cats. Just don't step in their box, all right? Um, you know, would you, would you do that? Like for someone you really, really love and really care for, would you, would you give up like an, like an organ, right? You'd do that, wouldn't you? Most of us would do that. What about your life? Like if it really came down to it, don't we all wish that we would give up our life for someone we love? Like, I don't know, in the moment, I was actually reading some articles on altruism and heroism this week. And, like, most of the people who do those kind of crazy heroic things say that they didn't have any time to think about it. So it's just like a gut reaction. Don't you hope that's you? Like, if you're in that moment and your wife or your kid or your friend is really like, like, you know, the scenario I can, only the scenario I can ever think of is like a train or a car, right? I don't know where else you would have to give up your life. But, you know, you can either push them out of the way or you can leave them, right? And one of you has to go. Don't you wish that you would have that motivation to do that? And so I think we all want that to be in us. But now I was starting to think about, okay, well, like, at what level of friendship would that stop for me? You ever think about that? No. Don't go there. And certainly don't look at anyone right now. You know, like, you know, are there people in your life, like, would you, would you do that for a stranger? Maybe you kind of wish you would, but I don't know, like, there'd be more thoughts, like, yeah, but my family really needs me. Would you, would you give your car to someone you know is notorious for ruining cars? Would you give like $1,000 to someone that you know is irresponsible with money? Would you let someone live in your house that you know is a chronic thief? Would you give up your life for someone you know has not lived a good life? And the more time that you give them, the worse that they're going to do on earth. Like, what, where would that line be where you're like, yeah, and you're like, no. You know, I'm not going to do that. It gets... It gets Tricky, And then we realize that our altruism is conditional. What we, what we think we'd like to be, what we'd like to think of ourselves as, as generous and giving, and yeah, I'll lay my life down, yeah, I'd love to be that hero. It's, it's to a point, it's conditional. So yeah, but if you're a good enough person, if I love you enough. But I, I think that all of us would hesitate with some of those other scenarios I gave. And that's why the story of Christmas is so remarkable when you think about it. That Jesus gave his son, right? To us, a son is given. That that God gave his son to us in a moment when we weren't deserving of it. God came not when we were ready, not when we had gotten our lives together, not even when we had turned our hearts to him. God said, I love you enough to come when you've got your back turned to me. This is one of the most powerful verses. This is written by Paul. Paul's an early follower of Jesus. If you're new to church, uh, the the New Testament's the part of the Bible written after Jesus, and uh, you know a lot of them are na- a lot of the books are named. They're letters named after um, cities that the authors wrote them to. So Paul wrote a letter to churches in Rome, so Romans, and we break it up into verses and chapters. That the original one was just a letter, but we break it up so we can f- know what we're talking about. He says this: You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus laid down his life. He gave gave his house to the person who's a thief. He gave his car to the person who's irresponsible. He gave his life to the person who wouldn't live their life. See, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though sometimes we will die for a good person. That's what that verse says there. He's, He's talking about what I just talked about. Once in a while, people will lay their life down for a good person. But God demonstrates love like this. He didn't just die for good people. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's so powerful to think of the generosity, to think of how God's love drove him to give when we weren't deserving or ready. We hadn't even turned our hearts towards him. See, God's love finds you where you are. And we have, we have no excuse, and what I think we like to do is we like to build reasons for why God's love doesn't find us. Reasons for why we're not worthy of God's love. Reasons for why we're still thinking about it. But God's love will find us where we are. He finds us in our brokenness. He finds us in our lack. He finds us in our fear, in our insecurity. And, you know, I was thinking, what, what's an analogy I could use for this? And the best analogy I could come up with was this, this kind of horrible thing that happened to us this summer. So the summer I had teenagers in Texas. We were doing this missions trip, doing relief work down there. And, um, we got, most of you know, but if, if you weren't around, um, we were driving a 15 passenger van and we got T-boned and flipped over. Um, and it was, it was horrific. It was the worst, uh, accident that I've ever experienced in my life. And it was terrifying, um, because I was, I was the only adult there and it was full of these teenagers. Um, miraculously, we had some injuries, but nothing fatal, and nothing really serious even. And so, as the car came to a rest, my first reaction was, you know, we were kind of hanging upside down. So I, I knew from previous experience in my life that when hanging upside down in a car that's just crashed, you need to shift your weight to get out of the seatbelt. So I said, guys, you get your seatbelts off and let's get out of the car as fast as we can because I didn't want to, I know what else happens, right? So the way that we got out in the front of the van was through the windshield sideways because it had broken out. So I walked out and, you know, then... Uh, A couple other people came out and I looked back in and I saw my son was stuck. And this is like one of those moments where you've like seen on TV or you've heard like, yeah, then the guy went back in and, you know, and, and obviously for me, there was no second thought. I wasn't like, hmm, kind of dangerous to go back in there, to be honest. You know, he got himself into this mess, right? (laughs) He can get himself out, right? He's like hanging, suspended. Somehow his seatbelt, if you think about a seatbelt, has kind of three points. Somehow one of those points broke and ended up kind of like wrapping him and cinching him. So he literally was just dangling kind of from the side of the van and couldn't get out. And so, you know, my, my instant reaction was, you know, to run back in. I, I was terrified. You're just in this moment where everything's been shaken and, and your, your adrenaline's through the roof, you know, but you don't know what else is going to happen. And so I'm thinking, it's my son. And like, I've got to get him out. Like I'm literally, if the thing blew up and it's on fire and we're burning, out, I'm staying there. Like we're dying together. Like there's no second thought about that. Right. And I I'm in there and he's like, it's so cinched. And I'm so panicked that I'm like, I'm not even going to think about this. And the way that duns, by the way, fix things when you can't fix it quickly is you force it. Right in all things in life. Okay, hammers are always used for anything. So I was like, well, I, I tried once, and I was like, that's not working. So then I just took his head, and I just pushed him as hard as I could. And you know, fortunately, he's a really skinny guy. So I, I just like, I like, birthed him through the seatbelt by by hand, and, and and I don't know what it was doing to him. But like, I just had I had like all my strength to get him out. That's all I cared about. And then, you know, it's so funny, like, the different personalities that you encounter. Like, my other son, we got in the accident. He was like, hmm, unclicks his seatbelt, hops down. He's like, oh, my shoes are off. Puts his shoes back on. Like, we're just all different, right? So anyway, I get Samuel out. Like, that's the kind of love that we're talking about at Christmas. You know this. Christmas isn't about Santa Claus. It's not about the manger scene and, and the wise men and the shepherds and the star. It's not about that. Remember, I, we talked about this last week. The angel said, I have great news for you. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. His name is Jesus. This is the, this is the key that God came to rescue us, that God's love is a rescuing love. That he sees us where we are. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how far you have fallen or feel from God. It doesn't matter how much you have struggled. It doesn't matter the depth of your pain or your grief. I know in this room today we have all of those things. But God just comes into the mess of our lives. He walks through the broken windows and on the broken glass and comes and finds us when we're trapped, when we're snared, when we're caught in our own bad decisions even. He doesn't stay out there and say, you better figure that out. You got yourself into that mess. His love compels him to rescue us, even from our own mistakes and our own messes. He comes into our brokenness. He comes into our grief. He comes into our pain. He comes into our sin. He is the light in the darkness. He's not the light next to the darkness. He lets his light shine in the darkness. And I want this to be the first message that you hear today. And I have a follow-up point. But no matter where you are in life right now, God's love is for you. You are loved. There's no qualifications. There's no ifs, ands, or buts but you don't know what I did when I was younger, but you don't know the doubts that I have, but you don't know the fears that I have, but you don't know what I think about when no one's you know, watching me or what I do when no one's watching me. You don't know the pain that I'm in. You don't know the questions I have. I feel so far from God. It's so distant. See, God's love is for you. You are love no matter. There's no if, ands, or buts. You can't disqualify yourself. And the second thing I want to say is that God's love finds you where you are. But I wasn't like, I got Samuel and I like got him loose And then we just hung out in the van. You know, that was not the point. The point was, let's get out of here now. Right? As fast as we can. And I also, secondly, I didn't just leave him there. Like, got him out of the van. I was like, all right, well. Like, we have been rescued for a reason. God's love came not just to heal us and save us, but to lead us to where we need to be. And this is what's so powerful about what God wants to do in your life. See, God loves you um, and, and loves you where you are and will enter into your brokenness and enter into your pain, enter into your doubt, but he loves you so much that he pulls you out of there and he leads you into a future that he has for each of you. And that's the second thing that we all need to hear is that God has a plan for your life, that his love isn't static, it's dynamic, it's active. And once again, we throw up these excuses. But but Christian, you don't know. Trust me, I've got just as much baggage and questions and insecurity and sin as anyone in this room. And Jesus looks through that and offers me his life. See, what he offers is to make me new. So first I want us to stop disqualifying ourselves from God's love. See, when he comes in, he makes us new and he gives us a new future. The second thing is I want to start living like God loves you. I want to close with just these two thoughts. God makes you new and he gives you a new future. God's love is not just about acceptance. It's not just about, hey, I love you, you're accepted, you're good. That's the beginning, but it's not the end. That's like taking the first step to a journey and then sitting down and being like, that was great. I love that. God has a plan for you, and He's He wants, if you are willing to open yourself up to Him, He wants to work in your heart. He talks about make, giving us a new life. Listen, listen to this. This is also written by Paul. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we've all died to our old life. See, this is the, the rescue that happens when God's love enters our hearts. When we say yes to God's love in our lives, we're given a chance at a new life. He died for everyone so that those who receive His new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. Are you being led by God's love? Sometimes I think that we just are so focused on our own self that we miss that, that next step. See, God wants to make you new, and then he wants to lead you into a new future. Whatever struggles that you have, whatever character issues you have, whatever doubts or insecurities or questions you have, God's love has um, the ability to minister to you and to give you a new life. And when you come into that opportunity, you have a chance to then say, I have a new future in God. So that's why I wanted to say God's love finds you where you are and He leads you to where you need to be. I want to give you just a real practical example. Um, the worship team can come on up. So I'm talking a lot about Samuel today. He didn't know this, but he's a uh, He's the star of my talk today. So Samuel, when he was really little, he, um, he immediately liked drumming. And so the strategy I took with Samuel was to just let him enjoy drumming and not give him a lot of instruction for years. So this is, this is God's love finding you where you are. What I think happens a lot of times is that we think we have to get everything together in life before this can happen, before we can be used by God what I did with Samuel is I just let him love drumming. We bought him drums from an early age and we bought him better drums. And I would just go downstairs and I would plug in a guitar and we would play the worst sounding music. But I would just look like I was really into it, you know, and we'd just be like "Go!" And, and he had rhythm, but I wasn't like, hey, you got to, you know, it's one, two, three, four. Like we got to, let's learn how to count. And, you know, you got to go hi-hat snare and you got to do this. And here's a fill. here's how to come back in on your left hand? And no, none of that. For years, you would just hear him down there just like, you know, just noise. Like it was basically a huge noisemaker, right? And, and I knew, I kind of had just this parental sense that if I brought instruction and direction and, and form and shape too early, I would, I would chase him off. So I just let him fall in love with drums and making noise. And then, but I didn't leave him there. And that's, I think, the other side of this. is Sometimes we just tell people, we just want everyone to feel loved, and we stop to think, God doesn't want us to just feel loved. He wants us to grow. See, here's where the, the, the life of following Jesus, the journey of following Jesus comes in. God didn't rescue you just to leave you rescued. He rescued you for a reason. His love captured you out of whatever you were in, whatever brokenness or darkness, and he does this still, brings us out of whatever brokenness and darkness we have in our lives because he has a plan for our lives. So as Samuel got older, I began to add instruction. A little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here. And now you can see he's got it, right? He's got it and he still has the love. See, this is what God's love does. It finds you where you are and he leads you to where you need to be. He finds you in your fear and he leads you into peace. He finds you in your brokenness and he leads you into healing. He finds you in your sense of, I don't know what I'm supposed to do or who I'm supposed to be. And he leads you into purpose. If you will follow God's love, if you will not just say, yes, God, I want you right now. Thank you for accepting me, but continue to say yes to God and follow his love. There's so much more in and through you that you don't even know. And listen, if you're, not, if you're not a believer, a follower of Jesus, and you're here because it's Christmas or someone invited you, I'm so glad that you're here. And I want to just say, like, this is for you. You don't, you don't have to, like, th- what this is saying is you don't have to, like, sign on the dotted line and all that. You can just start to talk to God. He is not a God who puts all these hoops you have to jump through first. In fact, the whole message of the good news is that there's nothing you can do. He's done it all. This is a free gift. For unto us a child is given. This whole salvation, this whole life of following Jesus is a free gift that you cannot earn. See, He died the death that we should have died so that we can live the life that He meant for us to live. And that's the invitation. That's the invitation that he makes, has made over hundreds and hundreds of years, and he's making today to you, and he's making today to me. I feel that this is a daily decision for each of us to say yes to the love of God. How we think about ourselves, how we treat other people, how we live our lives. So let's stand together. We're going to sing a final song about God's love today, and then I'll come back up and we'll close. All right, so I if you'll humor me, I want to pray for three different groups. So we're going to do three different prayers, and then we're going to close. So, um, and I like to do this so that it's synonymous. If everybody could just close their eyes. And I'm going to ask the first group to raise your hand. If you feel um, distant from God's love, or if you have struggled with feeling loved by God, you felt unworthy, unworthy or you look at your past or decisions you've made and you have felt like they disqualify you from God or you just feel like dirty or ashamed in front of God or in his presence or whatever, I'm not going to make you do anything except for raise your hand, I'm just going to pray for you. So with all eyes closed, if you feel distant from God's love, if you just raise your hand, I want to pray for you guys. So God, right now I pray for every person with their hand up that your love would meet them where they are. God, we thank you that you, your love doesn't wait for us to find our own way out, that you come into our brokenness and you bring your life and your healing with you. We pray that your love, even today and even this week, would touch the hearts of those who just raised their hand, who are feeling distant from your love. All right, the second group, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand if you're feeling a lack of God's leading in your life, if you feel a lack of calling or purpose. Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you now, too, if you're feeling a lack of calling or purpose or leading. So, God, I pray for those in Jesus' name that you will be speaking into their hearts today and even this week and this month your call on their life. God, thank you that your love doesn't just accept us and heal us, but you call us forward, God. You call us into destiny and purpose. I pray that your purpose will be filling the hearts of those who just raised their hand. Okay, so last one. I just like at exercises here guys calisthenics in church if you're feeling there, if you have never said yes to Jesus we want to give this opportunity every time we get together And maybe you've been in church your whole life but you know that you've never really given your whole heart to God you've never gone all in or maybe you've been away from God and you're coming back or, you, or maybe you've just never said that that prayer where you say yes I'm all in for you Jesus I'm going to pray a prayer that you can repeat in your heart after me you don't have to do it out loud we should raise your hand if that's you we you've never said yes to Jesus. So for those of you who want to say yes to Jesus, just in your heart, not out loud, just repeat this after me. So Jesus, I believe that your free gift of salvation is not something I can earn. And I receive it today. I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died and rose again for me. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you forgive me. In Jesus' name. So listen, if that was you and you raised your hand and, and prayed that prayer, what I would love for you to do, obviously you don't have to, but if you can grab one of the connect cards that we hand in at the welcome table, and if you can put your name and email and just write on there somewhere on the bottom, just, I raised my hand. I have a—I have a book that I'd like to send you and just connect with you. You don't have to if you don't want to, but I'd love to connect with you. A reminder to all the newcomers please fill out that card and drop it that we have gifts there at the welcome table that we'd love to give you.